Welcome to Chaplain Stories, sacred stories from the front lines of ministry. My name is Chaplain Caleb McCary, and we are going to be talking to chaplains about their stories, living out their calling and ministering to military personnel. I'm so glad to have you joining us as we talk about faith, life, and ministry with our guests. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Chaplain Stories. It is great to have you with me today. Uh, today we have a, a very special episode, as if all of them aren't special, but what makes this one unique relative to the other episodes that we've done is our interview today is with Chaplain Major Patricia Nichols. Now, if that name sounds familiar, that last name, it's because we interviewed her husband for the last episode. And I have been trying for years, almost since the very beginning of this podcast, to get Patricia Nichols on the podcast to hear her story because I thought, wow, what an amazing opportunity to hear from a chaplain couple. And finally, our paths brought us together at Fort Jackson, South Carolina, and we were able to sit down this week to record a new episode of the podcast. She brings an amazing perspective and a passion and energy and love for the Chaplain Corps that I think you're going to really enjoy. So happy Thanksgiving to all of you if you're listening to this when it first airs. Uh, I hope you enjoy this episode. All right. I am uh, Patricia Nichols, small group leader and instructor for the past four Chibolic classes, and currently I'm serving as the Chibolic developer. All right, so we're going to have to pause right there for just a minute because um, you're the first person, I think, who I've had on the podcast who has been a small group leader. So tell me a little bit about what that job entails. I, I know you're uh, in a different position now, but you just came out of that. So what what's that job all about? That job is amazing. <laughs> that job is probably the best job in the Army. Okay. It is... Uh, well, as a small group leader, you have a group of about 30, 25 to 30 students that are yours. Uh, and then we usually have a class of anywhere from 75 to 85 total. And so when you're a small group leader, you're also instructor. So sometimes you get to teach the whole class. But you have that small group that you're able to uh, help them as they're developing to become chaplains. You have uh, this wide range of experience in the room, which is always a great joy because you have some who have no military experience, but maybe 20 years as a Methodist pastor. Right. And then you have others who, you know, have the EIB and they were a staff sergeant and now they're coming in to be a chaplain. So somehow you have to engage all of them where they are and keep, keep everybody right there uh, participating. So it's, it's a great challenge and it's fun. Yeah. It sounds like uh, it would be uh, a lot of work, but also very rewarding at the same time. Absolutely. That's it. So I, I remember I was one of the, the young chaplain candidates when I went to Chibolic. I was 24 years old. Wow. And what's crazy <laughs> is now I get to work right downstairs from my uh, SGL chaplain heart. That's the way it works. My yeah. SGL is the commandant. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, I want to uh, learn a little bit more about you here. Um, 
And this is what's great about this. And we have been trying to do this in some form for years now yes, to, to do this podcast. And it just so happens that the last podcast I recorded was with your husband. Yes. And so there's some interesting stories here, I'm sure. So tell me a little bit about what you did before you were a chaplain. Okay, so uh, right out of college, I taught high school English, and I loved that. And then my husband came on active duty as a chaplain. Our first assignment was Fort Hood. I taught one year at Fort Hood and then uh, was expecting our third son. And at that point, I decided to stay home with my children. And mm. so for 10 years, uh, I was a stay-at-home mom and uh, did all the Army spouse things, PWOC, AFTB, uh, all of that thing, um, FGA leader, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I was in total a spouse 12 years before I was a chaplain. Wow. Yes. So tell me about that transition. So you've, you've experienced for over a decade uh, the, the spouse side uh, of being a chaplain spouse. And then what changes that you decide to make that transition into the chaplaincy yourself? Hmm. So I loved being at home with my children. Uh, the first deployment that Jimmy went on was before Iraq. It was uh, not too long after 9-11. Hmm. He was with 82nd, and uh, communication was very difficult during those days. And uh, that was when there were long lines and right. staticky communication it would get it would cut off in the middle mm -hmm. of things and it just wasn't easy to communicate and I had four small children and well my oldest was 13 and uh, I was the chaplain's wife and so people called me um, but I didn't call anybody when I had issues and so it was a very lonely time and it was uh, challenging for me but I think subconsciously, I thought when Jimmy comes home, everything's going to be better. Well, we all know that that's not <laughs> always uh, realistic. And right. so when he came home, that was probably the, it was in fact the hardest time in our marriage. And, uh, but we are both committed and we love each other. And uh, so my response was, well, I'm not going to sit here and be miserable. I've got to figure this out. I got to do something. I'm, that's kind of my personality. And uh, so I, I called Military One Source, mm. and uh, I was terrified. It's, it's funny to me now when I think about it, but uh, I just wasn't used to talking about myself uh, in that way. And so I, I didn't really know what to expect, but I had prayed about it, and I asked the Lord to, to help me find just the right person. And, uh, you know, this is back in the day, so I went down the yellow, looking into the yellow pages right. of a phone book, like a real-life phone book. And uh, I, you know, looked for, I needed somebody who had all these credentials because I'm a reader myself and, you know, the wife of a chaplain. And so I was like, I, I need somebody who knows what they're talking about for sure. So I, I you know, chose this random, but I don't believe it was random, um, therapist. And I went and... Um, it was very helpful to me. And um, I was talking to Jimmy one day, and I said, you know, I really feel like it's time for me to do something else, but I don't know what. And I, I, it's kind of like I felt like that whole deployment was um, like 
tilling up ground mm. or something. I don't know. Like it just, it felt like it was a doing something in me. Yeah. And then he came home and then it was not what I expected. So he said, well, you love teaching high school. So why don't you go back to teaching? And I said, you know, I did love it, but that's not, that's not what it is that I'm supposed to do. I just don't know what though. And, um, then one day he came home and he was talking about a couple of company commanders who had just come into the brigade. They were going to take command. I think he called them dinks or something. And I didn't know what, I didn't, wasn't familiar with that term. And, uh, and when he explained it to me, I says, Oh, well maybe we could be dual army chaplains. And it just kind of came out of my mouth before I even thought about it. And he stopped what he was doing. And it's clear in my memory as day, he, he was hanging up his clothes in the closet. He stopped and he, turned and he looked at me and he said, you'd make a great army chaplain. And I just laughed because what, I had four children, no seminary degree, and I knew what it took to become a chaplain. Right. But I could not stop thinking about it. And I'll tell you the reason why is because for all of those years, at that point, I guess it was about um, eight years, maybe nine years. For all of those years, he had been good to tell me what he was doing, and he would share with me stories about, you know, field ministry, um, NTC, just all the things that he did. And I would say, wow, that's you have such a great job, what a great ministry. But I never considered it for me. But after, after he said that, I could not stop thinking about it. And uh, I called a senior chaplain in our denomination who had just recently retired, and I told him, you know, this is what I'm thinking. I, I think God is calling me to this. And he goes, let me tell you, if there's anything else you can do, you need to do it. And then he started giving me, you know, laying it, making it plain. He yeah. said, don't think you won't deploy. Don't think that you couldn't both deploy at the same time. You got the children, you know, and he just really was talking straight to me. But then he said, but let me pray with you. And I kind of laughed and I was like, well, yeah, that's kind of why I called. And uh, he just prayed a very quick, simple prayer. He said, God, if this is of you, I pray that she'll eat, drink, and sleep. It shall know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hmm. And I was like, okay, you know. Well, what was amazing about that is everything started falling into place. We we uh, were here for um, Jimmy's Captain's Career Course, and I started seminary at Erskine, and... Then he got orders for Germany. And I was like, well, Lord, you know, what am I going to do about seminary? Because I, I really wanted to be in a you know, brick and mortar school. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to go to the um, Church of God Theological Seminary. Mm-hmm. So I needed to be in a radius where I could drive there once a week. And so he talked to the per guy who said, you know, I'll see what I can do if you don't hear from me in a couple weeks. You know, here's my number. Well, you know, you and I know what that means. You know, I was like, well, I guess we're going to Germany. But then uh, like the next day or so, he called and said we were going to Fort Campbell. So I was able to drive once a week uh, to Cleveland and do seminary for three years. I did that for three years. It's like 250 miles. But I did that middle year. He was deployed for a second deployment. Uh, and so, but but financially, everything just fell into place. It was amazing. So you were uh, you were going to seminary, commuting to yes. that uh, that once a week, and still still being chaplain spouse, yes. and still being mom to four boys in four different schools. 
Mm-hmm. I expect that was challenging at times. It was. And the middle the middle year, he was deployed, and it was that particularly difficult deployment where they lost 53 and then three mm. suicides. Yeah. Uh, this was the 101st. And so, yes, it was particularly challenging time. Um, but um, I was in a different place, this deployment. Yeah. You know, I had God's call in my life. It was very clear to me. I had a purpose. And the Lord was kind enough to send my brother, my brother-in-law, uh, his first assignment to Fort Campbell. So my sister lived one mile from me. So when I did that commute, she was right there with the kids every week. So oh, that's great. It was amazing, yes. So uh, when did you come on active duty? 2008. 2008. August and... 2008. Wow. And what was your first unit? I was with 72nd ESB Signal Battalion in Mannheim, Germany. So you did end up making it to Germany. (laughs) (laughs) I did. And it was wonderful because I grew up there. That's where I met Jimmy. Right, right. So it it was perfect. I I remember uh, hearing a little bit about that when he told me his story. Yes. That's awesome. Um, Well, I want to transition and hear a little bit about some of your your stories as a chaplain. Um, And the first question I want to ask is, what's the most physically challenging thing you've ever experienced as a chaplain? Okay, well, I'm not all tabbed out. So. You're you're in good company. <laughs> <laughs> so I would I I uh, most challenging. I I would have to say you know coming in. I was 38, so I was 30. I turned 40 when I was deployed, so I was 40 in Iraq, and my unit was dispersed 21 locations. We had signal teams all over Iraq. We were providing comms for the warfighter, right? Mm. So. Uh, I think just, you know, lugging all that gear, wearing all that, I, and just traveling, I was nonstop on the road to see my, my soldiers. And so I think just that whole year of going and going uh, was was pretty, pretty physically challenging for me. Yeah. Um, I didn't, I mean, I didn't feel it at the time. It wasn't my focus of, of my, you know, I didn't, I didn't think about it, but, you know, now that I'm quite a bit older than that. I'm thinking, <laughs> wow, that was pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. So so you came in and deployed with your first unit. I did. So how was that, you know, the tables being turned? So you had experienced those deployments as a spouse, and then um, you're deploying yourself. What was that experience like for you? I, oh, you think you know about stuff because you hear it from someone you love and they, you know, like I thought I knew about the army, but it's a whole different thing when you come in yourself. Right. And it's a whole nother thing when you deploy. And so, um, what I found was it was easy for me to just focus on my soldiers. I had plenty to do. I had plenty of places to go. You know, you name the the uh, mode of transportation. I've probably been on it. You know, catching rides here and there. And I had a wonderful religious affairs specialist, chaplain assistant at the time, who you know made movement happen hmm. all over Iraq. Yeah. But I traveled a lot, and so it was easier for me to just focus there than it was for me to think about home. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there there came a time where. You know, he being a chaplain, he had access to a phone where he could call me. He called me and he said, you need to call home more often. And he was, you know, not too happy, you know, the way he 
express this to me. And uh, he said, your kids need to hear from you more. Mm. And what it was is it was hard for me when I hung up. I felt it very keenly what I was missing at home. And it would take me a while to kind of get over that. Yeah. And so it was a, it was a challenge, but he was right. He was absolutely right that I needed to call home. And so I started being more intentional about that. And he was really good when he was deployed to write letters. He wrote mm. lots of letters because like I told you, he couldn't, you know, call very often. Right. Right. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I remember, um, being in AIT in 2003 when the engagement of Iraq was happening. And I had a classmate whose husband was a part of that initial uh, push into Iraq. And much of their communication was by letter. And they made a special exception for her. A, a lot of us didn't have cell phones at the time. She had a cell phone. We weren't allowed to have them in class. They let her carry it with her because in case her husband called. That is, I understand that because yeah. I will tell you back when he was in Afghanistan before Iraq, if you missed a phone call, it was like a punch to the stomach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So that, that has always stayed with me uh, mm-hmm. all these years later. Well, let me uh, ask you another question. What's the most spiritually challenging thing you've experienced as a chaplain? I think it's kind of tied to the most challenging event that I experienced. And it was also during deployment. I had a, an NCO who uh, killed himself. And he was a, a very well-loved NCO and very professional. And uh, that was that was by far the most challenging. And I, I remember after... After it was all said and done, you know, because you're kind of, you're, you're, you're the point man. You're, I mean, you're the person. And so you just have to be on, on go until you're not. Right. And when it was all over and I was, you know, in my office with the door shut, uh, that's when it hit me. And, um, I, I took, took a couple of days and I pretty much was in that office and, uh, doing a lot of reading, a lot of praying, a lot of journaling. And uh, then finally I, I went to the hospital there on Joint Base Balad, and uh, there was a, a doctor there that when I had escorted one of my soldiers over there, I could tell he was a, a believer, and we'd had some conversation. And, you know, to me it, it was uh, really a, an interesting thing that I could, in that short time, I could – discerned that this was a person that I could talk to, a person of faith, someone I could trust, someone who, and, and it was, the, I guess, the first time that I experienced kind of ministry of, of presence mm. or, you know, maybe what a soldier would feel when they see a chaplain. Yeah. And so I went and talked to him and, and I said, what about this and what about that? And uh, he pointed me to the story of the rich young ruler who went away Um sorrowful, you know, mm-hmm. and he said, if Jesus couldn't reach everyone, then what makes you think you could? And just, I, I can't even remember everything that he said, but whatever it was he said, uh, just helped me come to terms with the fact that, you know, this soldier that I had loved, my love, my care for him, my, I, I, that wasn't enough. Right. And so uh, that was, that was a challenging time. And also just uh, experiencing the, 
group dynamics of grief because I'm right there on Spiker with, you know, the company commander, the first sergeant, and all of those soldiers who were greatly impacted by this this uh, death, the suicide, and uh, just being available to them, but also recognizing the stages of grief. And when one is in one part of it, somebody's in another, and sometimes you can mistake that anger. You know, just it, it, it really affected a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and just trying to come to terms with all of that, it was... Um, quite an experience and going through it yourself too yeah so you think that um just having that that person who you could could turn to was particularly helpful for you and in working through that yourself it was it was and and also the lord was gracious enough to link me up with a lieutenant colonel uh, she was s1 for a unit there wasn't, you know, associated with our unit at all, but she had come to chapel and we, we made a connection. And, you know, during that time she was Angie and I was Patty and we were able to share things. And of course she was, she was S1 and she dealt a lot with Mm, the deaths and the suicide on a, on a higher level, you know, at, um, the brigade level, I think it was the, uh, ESB level. But uh, the Lord, the Lord provided for both her and for me for that time. So, yeah, I appreciate you uh, sharing that. And I know that was kind of tied up. Uh, you said with your your toughest day uh, mm. in the chaplaincy as well. Um, well, one of the things that uh, we we initially connected at at a two week course in San Antonio uh, a number of years ago, and have just kind of stayed connected on social media over the years. Um, and one of the things that I've always appreciated about you, ma'am, is your positivity and your positive spirit towards uh, the chaplain corps. It's infectious, and I love it, and I want to model that myself. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm very interested to hear your answer to this question. Um, what would you say is, has been most rewarding to you about being a chaplain? Most definitely the relationships across the board. And when I, when I speak of that, I am talking about my soldiers, first and foremost, you know, my, my soldiers from my first unit, uh, I am thinking particularly of one who on December 1st will become a Sergeant First Class. She was a PFC when I first met her, and I have remained in contact with her via social media, and then we've uh, seen each other a few times over the years, but just walking with people uh, on their journey. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, that's what we do. We're, we're the keeper of the stories and we journey with them. We plant the seed. They see us live our lives. And then we just, sometimes we can stand back and watch God move. And Mm. I think that's, that's my favorite part is just the relationships. Yeah. And after doing it for a while, you can, you, you get to sometimes circle back and right. see some of that fruit uh, from those relationships yes. built over the years. Absolutely. Well, so you've had uh, an opportunity as an SGL to be an influential figure for a number of folks, uh, you know, training and going to school and getting ready to become a chaplain, people who are you know, as soon as they graduate, going to their first unit. 
um, to, to mentor and impact in, uh, in a way that a lot of folks don't get an opportunity. What advice have you given or would you want to give to those chaplains uh, just getting ready to step into this vocation? Well, I'll tell you, they'll tell you what I've, I've told them. I have said uh, that it is only by the grace of God that I've been able to do what I've done for the past 13 years. And so it's of utmost importance that they keep their faith and that they keep strong in their calling, that they don't forget, and that it's all about relationships, building relationships uh, with leaders, with their soldiers, with one another. And so I tell them, you know, engage your brain. You know, this is a this profession is a profession. And so yes. it's very important that we're able, that we're skillful. Yes. Uh, if we're going to be effective, we have to know doctrine. So I say engage your brain, engage doctrine, engage one another. And uh, that's, you know, kind of been my mantra here while I've uh, been at Jabolik is, uh, you know, you're going to see each other down the road. And, and I know when I came back for my captain's career course, there were five of us from my Chibolic. Hmm. And uh, maintain contact with. I've seen people, you know, when I was deployed, I ran into a couple, three guys that I went to Chibolic with. And so, you know, across compos, we're one army. And right. so that's that's been my, uh, my uh, emphasis to them is just uh, always maintain your faith, your strong faith. Take care of your families. And they take their cues from you. So your, your positive outlook and your... Uh, staying true to God's call and helping them see that this is a family calling. That's something yes. that Jimmy and I have always done is that, you know, God has called us as a family to this. And so uh, it's an adventure. Every place we go is is something new. Yeah. So what has helped you um, maintain uh, your pastoral identity and your faith? Well, I just think it's, it's wonderful how God prepares us, and I can look back on my life and I can see His hand in everything. And you know, even before I was in the army, I still would get up. I'd have to get up early before all those boys woke up, you know, in order to have my time with the Lord. And so, I've I've been a, a journaler. Now, once I, once I came into the army, my journals kind of became green books with little check <laughs> little check boxes yeah, and, and yeah. tasks. But uh, prior to that, I, I did a great deal of journaling, and I, I try to maintain that to a certain extent. Uh, I think that uh, just worship worship keeps me grounded. And Chibolik was asking that today. We did a brown bag. Jimmy, oh yeah. Jimmy and I did it with Chibolik. Uh, just a. a probably about 20 of them, and they asked that same question. And, and he, both he and I said, we use our time on the way to work to worship and to pray. And and so I would say that that's what's helped me. And, and you know, there have been times where I got a story. Tell, I tell the story. Okay, I don't, I don't want to go too long here. No, absolutely. Tell the but, story. But, you know, this is a story that answers that question. So I told you that I was all over Iraq and going 100 miles an hour and, you know, uh, like maybe six six months in, it was almost time for my R and R, and I was trying to implement something and trying to you know 
make things happen. And I was kind of frustrated because I'm on the road a lot. And mm-hmm. then I'm trying to, I'm, I'm still doing my staff work. I had a very, very strong exo who professionally developed me. And she, yeah. she made me find a computer no matter what little fob I was on and update my bub and, you know, just really good for me professionally. But um, I was, uh, lost my train of thought. You're traveling all over. Traveling all over, yes, traveling all over, and uh, it was almost time for R&R, and I was trying to make things happen, trying to do my staff work while traveling, Right. and I was home on the weekend, home to JBB, and when I would be back at uh, headquarters, I would either go to, to dinner with the sergeant major, or I'd run with him, you know, I'd just kind of link up with him and, and uh, you know, let him know how the soldiers were doing, and uh, I was running with him. And I was, I guess, venting because, you know, mm. if you have a good command sergeant major, that's a good place for the chaplain to, you know, they can ma- message to the commander for you, you know, and yeah. also they keep your confidence right? if you have a good one. And they're kind of the same age as you, same place in life. So he and I, we were battle buddies and I was telling him I was frustrated and I said, it just burns me up that people don't give a shit. And I, my hand flew up to my mouth and he said, chaplain, and he stopped running, and he gave me this command sergeant major look. And he said, if you don't stop cussing, I'm going to quit hanging with you. And I I felt like David with the prophet Nathan, and I felt terrible. And I said, sergeant major, you know I don't cuss. And he says, I know you don't, but you said, right, you know, BS last week. And I just felt so terrible about this, you know, and it's, it's not about cussing. You know, if you're in the army, you hear it all the time, but you know, the scripture says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And the Sergeant Major knew that I'm not a cussing woman. And so, yeah. you know, it just, it stopped me. And then this is like a, it's, it's like a, a story. It's like a joke. Cause it's, it's a story about a Sergeant Major uh, a Muslim platoon sergeant and an agnostic. Okay, so yeah, it's my story. So uh, a couple of days later, I was uh, down at the motor pool on Joint Base Blod, and uh, Sergeant First Class Moses, a very devout Muslim man, asked me, "Chaplain, how are you doing?" And I said, "You know, I'm not doing so well." You know, it's one of those times where, you know, most of the time we say, oh, we're, I'm doing fine. Thanks right. for asking. Right. But I said, I, I'm, I'm not doing so well. I said, I, I don't think I'm praying like I should. And he ha- kind of had a reputation for being very faithful in his prayers. Mm-hmm. And I guess it, maybe it was the strength of his faith that kind of made me mention that. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And uh, I said, I, I just don't think I've been praying like I should. And he goes, chaplain. Aren't you supposed to be a conduit of the Holy Spirit? <laughs> and, I said, and I said, well, yes, yes, I am. You know, but it was just the last thing that I expected to right. hear from him. Uh, but it was just what I needed to hear. He said, Chaplain, you can't take everybody's stuff day in and day out and not lay it down in prayer. And uh, wow, it was powerful. Yeah. You know, God uses whomever he will to speak to whomever he will. And it was a powerful moment because God was speaking to me through this platoon sergeant. And then uh, uh, 
maybe a few days later, there was a sergeant who came in, and he had been at, I think he was at Ramadi. He was somewhere where I hadn't been to see him yet, and I had been trying to get to Ramadi. They still joke uh, about this to me to this day, that I didn't care about them because I didn't make it out to to Ramadi, but I'm telling you, <laughs> 21 locations, and right. I kept trying. I had to like, you know. Anyway, so he, he, I hadn't seen him for the whole six months. He comes in, and uh, hey, how are you doing, Sergeant? And I was like, good to see you, ma'am. And he sat down before I could say anything or do anything. He sat down and picked up a Bible, and so I'm like, well, I'm just gonna let him read the Bible. <laughs> so I'm working, I'm working at my desk, and I'm, you know, I said, let me finish this email. I'll be over there in a minute. So. He's reading, and I come around, and I said, so you mind sharing what you're reading? He said, sure. And he said, it's uh, Job 40, verse 9. It says, do you have an arm like mine? Does your voice thunder like mine? And it was God speaking to Job. Hmm. And then he he just slapped the Bible shut, like with a big noise, and he handed it to me. He said, chaplain, that right there is all you need to know. Wow. Yeah, exactly. And it was like, I will tell you, it was like almost like that tangible presence uh, of God in the room. And and I realized, yes, I've been trying to do this in my own strength. I've been trying to make things happen, but I don't have a voice that thunders like his. And I don't have an arm that's going to make things happen. And, it, and, and there again, God was just showing me, I love you and I will speak to you through whomever. And so, of course, I started laughing. I love my soldiers. I started laughing. I was like, how does it feel, Sergeant, to be used by God to speak to the chaplain? <laughs> and he just kind of rolls his eyes and was like, whatever, chaplain. But, you know, I mean, even that that interaction there, to me, it was so precious. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, it was God calling me back. And I, I just, I'm very grateful because I, I've, I've experienced this over and over again that he calls me back. Mm. And and that's I think that's why I like that line so much in the hymn, you know, my wandering soul to thee, you know. Yes. He, he just he calls me back when I wonder cuz I get ambitious and I get, you know, oh, wanting to make things happen and it's all he's the source. Well, I'm glad you shared that story. <laughs> that was fantastic. Well, so you you talked a little a little bit earlier about uh professional development and being a learner. Um and if I'm not mistaken, you like to read. I do. So if you were going to recommend books to some folks, what, what one or two books would you want to recommend? Okay, so who are these folks? Well, let's just say, uh, let's say if you were going to recommend a book to, uh, to a new chaplain, and if you were going to recommend a book to maybe like a peer, what would, what would be at the top of the list right now? Okay, so uh, probably for new chaplains. Now, it's been a while since I read this, but I just remember it made a, a great impact on me. Uh, Primal Leadership, that's probably one that I would recommend. I, I'd recommend that to anyone. And then, you know, this is an old book, but uh, Seven Habits, Highly Effective People, uh, because, uh, the you know, the life of a chaplain is very busy and, um, the, the more proactive and the more you sharpen your saw, those good habits yeah. can make a big difference. And what was neat about that is when I went to do the training for that, I realized that I had read that in college and I had actually 
practiced that. Yeah. So by the time I went to that training, I was like, whoa, this is the way I've been living my life. All right, this works. So it was it was absolutely convincing to me that this is what I wanted to teach my soldiers. Mm. So as a battalion chaplain, I loved teaching that one. Yeah. Uh, what I'm rereading right now, I'm having the same uh, kind of experience with this book because I read I read um, what's it called? Um, Strengthening the soul of your leadership. I believe I read it when I was in Iraq. And my, my commander used to, to joke because I this was I didn't have a Kindle. So I carry like 20 pounds of books in addition to everything else I was carrying <laughs> when I went on my travels. But I think I read this book there, but I'm rereading it and I'm seeing again what an impact it had on me from that point until this point. And so I would highly recommend that one to any chaplain, yeah. uh, but especially to those of us who've been doing it for a while. Uh, it, she kind of talks, it's Ruth Haley Barton, and she <clears throat> kind of talks about Moses and his leadership. Mm, yeah. Excellent. So good. That's great. Well, what do you see are some of the challenges facing chaplains and the chaplaincy in the future, and how can we meet those head on, steward this profession well? Well, let's see. This is like the toughest question. Yes, this is the toughest question. Uh well, one is we have a rapidly changing religious landscape. Mm, yeah. And so as we become more secular, uh, I think it's going to be even more important that, that chaplains and religious affairs specialists understand uh, how to minister, how to uh, provide skillful and effective religious support to a very diverse population. Mm -hmm. Now, I think we have focus primarily on free exercise. That's, you know, what we're here to do under Title 10. But our two main capabilities being provide and advise, mm -hmm. I think that I'd, that advise is where we need uh, to focus in order to face these challenges in, in the future, especially with uh, large-scale combat operations and just the, the rapidly changing uh, world that we live in. It's why I... Uh, that's been a focus of mine as well when I was in Chibolic is, you know, one of the first things I have them do is sign up for the early bird, the early bird mm, uh, yeah. Department of Defense uh, news that comes yep. to their email every yep. morning. And I said, hey, you know, are you going to have time to read this every morning? No. Should you try to read through the early bird at least once a week or once every two weeks? Yes, absolutely, because we need to know what's going on in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, if God has called us to this context, we need to know what's going on, and we need to be ready. How can we be ready if we don't know what's going on? And so, uh, you know, they're, again, engaging the world, engaging doctrine, engaging one another, just being engaged so that we can be effective and, and flexible. And, and know uh, not only that, but just understand that the Chaplain Corps is the, the product of our nation's belief in the free exercise of religion mm -hmm. and understanding the power of religion in many nations to impact, you know, perception of power, diplomacy, uh, economics, all of this thing, you know, social customs, everything. And we come in and advise the command. And I think that's probably, you know, okay, so new chaplains, they have the ATP, 
you know, I didn't have the ATP. Right, right. <laughs> and so you know how it is. It's a little scary when you're a young chaplain and you realize that this capability you have is to advise the command. And yes. you say, yes, but how? Right. How do I advise this high-speed battalion commander? Yeah. And I think even now it's still probably our greatest challenge, but it is one of our capabilities. And so I'm encouraged. I think it's it's a challenge for us, but I think we're moving in the right direction. I think, you know, with the new United States Army Institute for Religious Leadership yes. and all of the transformation that's happened in the organization, I think that we're moving in the right direction. And so um, I'm encouraged. And you ask me why I am so positive about the Chaplain Corps, it's because I believe in the impact. And, and I, I think that we aren't even, and this is a positive thing, we're, we aren't making the impact that we could make. Hmm. But that's exciting because I think we can. Because there's potential. Yes. Yes, we can, yes. We can grow. And, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And, and not just be those excellent chaplains at the tactical level, which I think we're doing a great job. And I want to commend right now, I want to commend all the battalion chaplains who are running, running hard, you know, day in and day out, taking care of soldiers, and I also wanted to encourage them to take care of themselves. You know, we don't save the world. God has called us. Um, but uh, I think that not only um, is it there at the tactical level, but just all the way up, we need to be able to advise the command. And I just want to grow in that. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, you know, I think, you know, as, as I tell the Chibolic students, you need to always be developing you know, professional development is your responsibility. You're not going to learn it all in Chibolic. The same goes for me. Same goes for every leader. You know, there's always room to grow. And so um, it's exciting. It's exciting. Um, yeah. The opportunities ahead. Who knows? Well, it's such a critical thing because, you know, we all come into the chaplaincy with uh, so much uh, education and uh, maybe, you know, you mentioned folks in Chibolic. Some people have many years of, of ministry experience. And so that, that provide piece is hopefully pretty well established right but the advice piece that's uh that's the new the new skill that you're trying to learn the new muscle you're trying to exercise and get comfortable with but such a critical piece of what we do yes well ma'am it has been a great joy to get to sit down and talk with you today thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to do this and uh, after all these years, we finally <laughs> got to sit down and yes. record this podcast. So, it has been my pleasure. Thank you so much. And 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 it was so awesome to get to do this um, right after you know I talked to your uh, to your husband uh, a few weeks back, and uh, to get to hear uh, the stories from both sides. What a what a unique opportunity. So thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you for listening to this conversation with Chaplain Nichols. I, I hope it was a joy to you as much as it was a joy to me in recording it. If you enjoyed this, I'd just ask that you share it with your family and friends on social media or word of mouth, uh, and maybe drop a review in your favorite podcast app, whether that's Apple or Google or Spotify or wherever you're listening to it. A review and a rating will help more people discover this content and learn more about the great work that our chaplains are doing. Well, thanks again for listening, and I hope you'll join me again next time for another Chaplain Story. Thunder and flame, wherever the call.